one of the clients I got through Craigslist, I, I counted the other day in my software, and I've actually handled nine matters for them. This is Lawyer to Lawyer, the award-winning legal podcast with J. Craig Williams and Robert Ambrogi. West Coast meets East Coast, and yes, they are attorneys, bringing you the latest legal news and observations every week with the leading experts in the legal profession. Lawyer to Lawyer is sponsored by Law.com, produced right here on the Legal Talk Network. Welcome to Lawyer to Lawyer on the Legal Talk Network. We're glad you could listen today. I'm Craig Williams from sunny Southern California. My co-host, Bob Ambrosi from Massachusetts, is off today. I write a legal blog called May It Please the Court and have a book out called How to Get Sued. And today's show is sponsored by Clio, web-based practice management software, and Landy Insurance. Well, today's program is about Craigslist, and when you think about Craigslist, you normally think of selling old furniture, posting an ad for a roommate, but do you really think about it as an advertising outlet for attorneys? Solo and small firm practitioners, it turns out, have discovered that Craigslist has been a great source for generating business. There are challenges, however, that come with advertising on sites like Craigslist. Lawyers find themselves offering a mattering of free advice, competing against a growing number of other attorney ads, and finding themselves up against their individual state's advertising rules. Today on Lawyer to Lawyer, we're going to look at the upside and the downside of solo and small firm practitioners advertising on Craigslist and the legal ethics issues surrounding advertising on this and other free online sites. And to help us in that discussion, our first guest today is attorney Susan Beecher. She is a solo practitioner out of Kent, Washington. Her practice focuses on both small business and family law matters. She has found great success in placing ads on Craigslist for her solo practice. Welcome to Lawyer to Lawyer, attorney Susan Beecher. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. And our next guest today is attorney Will Hornsby. He's counsel in the American Bar Association's Division for Legal Services, where he staffs the Standing Committee on the Delivery of Legal Services. He authored the ABA book, Lawyer Advertising at the Crossroads, as well as the third edition of the ABA Law Practice Management section book called Marketing and Legal Ethics, The Boundaries of Promoting Legal Services. Will is also an adjunct faculty member of the John Marshall School of Law, where he teaches the first law school course on professional responsibility of a technology-based law practice in the LLM program. And we have to note as well, a disclaimer here, that his views do not represent those of the American Bar Association. And with that, welcome to Lawyer to Lawyer, Will Hornsby. Thank you, Craig. Susan, let's start with you, and let's uh, talk about how you stumbled on Craigslist as an advertising outlet for your services, and give us some background about your experiences there and the success you've had. Well, I first heard about, well, I actually first became exposed to Craigslist when I was in law school and noticed my classmates browsing through their laptops during lectures, but I won't go into that too much. And I really began to be aware of it as an advertising medium for myself through online discussions with other attorneys through um, email lists. They would mention different sales techniques, and some of them were having very good success with Craigslist, so I thought I would give it a shot. It is free, and you really can't beat that, and I was really surprised by the good response I got. Great. Well, what are the ethical issues that Susan and the other lawyers that are advertising on Craigslist has to watch out for? Well, Craig, as you know, the... um 
rules governing uh, the communication of legal services, which is broader than just advertising um, and includes all sorts of business getting uh, mechanisms, are, are uh, done on a state-by-state basis. And uh, lawyers need to be conscientious of what the rules are in their particular state, and they need to comply with them regardless of the medium that they use. Um, so you know, that they use an online service like like Craigslist or an online uh, group advertising vehicle or uh, any other mechanism certainly doesn't excuse them from compliance with those state rules and creates uh, an obligation for them to understand the application of those rules to their usage. Well, are we ever going to see any type of federal regulation or federal level regulation of attorney advertising? We're, we're getting to the point where you know online advertising and the other advertising is so ubiquitous and it crosses state lines so easily that it seems to that the patchwork of rules by the 50 states really lends itself to a lot of problems. Craig, what would I talk about if we only had one set of rules? It'd be so easy. <laughs> but, um, you know, the, the ABA's approach uh, is to issue a set of model rules that govern all uh, of lawyer conduct, the uh, model rules of professional conduct. And within those rules, there a, a section addresses uh, advertising and solicitation. And we encourage the states to adopt those. And if every state adopted each and every of the model rules and only the model rules, we would have that same effect of, uh, uh, as we would if there were a national or federal uh, set of rules. Unfortunately, what we're finding is that uh, a great number of states, uh, the vast majority of states, uh, will base their governance of these issues on the model rules and then expand on that. Uh, And they will expand on it in ways that are particularly important to them. Some states we find uh, have a heavy regulation on the communication of fees. Some states have a monitoring process that involves an obligation for lawyers to file their uh, advertisements or to submit their advertisements for screening. And uh, frankly, Short of a constitutional edict on this, um, I I think it's very unlikely that we're going to see um, uh, a a uniform regulation uh, on these issues from from, uh, among the the states. Susan, what kind of rules and regulations and restrictions do you find you face in Washington? The rules are not really too bad. I understand that in some states, uh, attorneys have to actually present advertising to the bar before they put it out there. And fortunately, in Washington State, that's not necessary. We do have to, um, of course, be truthful in our, our advertising, and that's certainly fair. They're particularly interested that we not imply the firm is any larger than what it really is, that we don't say offices when we only have one office and that sort of thing. We're supposed to stay away from the word specialized and specialization, Although we can communicate our area of practice, we just have to choose our words carefully. And um, I, I think we're fairly close to the model rules as far as that goes. What do you find has been uh, the kind of common call that you get from someone that you know, do you track that you get calls from Craigslist? I don't keep notes on it. I just kind of mentally note which ones come from Craigslist if they if they let me know that they did. A lot of them are just looking for, and I get a lot of emails as well, 
in response to the Craigslist listing. And a lot of them are just looking for some quick direction so they can go on on their own. They'll ask me, especially frequently, where can I find a form for this or that or the other thing? Or do you think this is fair or should I be doing this? The rest, though, are just not really trusting the traditional ways that that people find attorneys, I guess, and are trying a little bit different approach. With the popularity of sites like Craigslist and, you know, the existence of the Internet, uh, has the ABA taken any additional steps because of the changes that have come because of Craigslist and, and the types of advertising that are now available to attorneys that weren't available, say, a few years ago? Well, no, the ABA model rules have, have uh, been tweaked um, uh, to address technology issues, but there's not been a uh, revamp of them. And in fact, the the, the, the model rules and the rules of the great majority of states are adaptable to much of the new technology. Uh, as Susan mentioned, the, the foundation, the cornerstone of these rules is a prohibition against false and misleading communication. And that goes to the content rather than the medium. So uh, the, if, the, if something uh, is an unsubstantiated comparison, for example, that's inappropriate under the standard of false and misleading communications in a television commercial, it's also inappropriate in um, uh, a Craigslist ad. Uh, so it's it's really not the method of communication as much as it is the the content. Uh, now there are that said, there are rules that definitely do address electronic communication, and there are rules that address uh, specific uh, media to some extent. But uh, by and large, the the organized bar has not seen fit to. Uh, have a special set of rules for a special uh, type of uh, medium, including the Internet. Florida and New York are states that are exceptions to that. Both of those states have very specific rules governing uh, communications uh, for legal services through, through the Internet. Susan, I don't mean to put you on the spot here, but if I were to look on Craigslist and find your ad, what would I read? And describe to our listeners after you talk about that, then what's the process of putting it up and what do you have to spend and what do you think the return is like? Well, it takes me about five minutes each time I put an ad up and because I change it a little bit each time. When they pull up the ad, what they'll see is initial, an initial paragraph, which just briefly, in a couple of sentences, says why it's better for them to have an attorney in the middle of, of whatever it is that they're doing well, I, I guess I should back up. I do family law and I do small business law. So when I'm placing a family law ad, for example, I'll, ex- I'll have a short sentence or two explaining why it's a good idea to have a family law attorney helping you rather than to, to proceed pro se if you possibly can. Then the next thing I have is a bullet list of the different things that I do. And then I close off with uh, my contact information, my website, my phone number, I also list the fact that I do free consultations, free initial consultations, and that I do um, accept credit cards. How, how much does it cost you? Well, it just costs me my time, and that's all. So it's totally free? Yes. Craigslist is completely free, and um, no special software, nothing. Do you advertise anywhere else? I keep my Avo profile up to date as best I can, and I answer LawGuru questions 
And so that's a form of advertising, I suppose. And that's about it. I, I don't do much in the way of paid advertising. Will, are you familiar with Logaroo and Avo? I uh, sure am, yes. Would you describe to our listeners what those two things are and what the ABA's stance on them is? Avo is a, uh, uh, a directory, a uh, comprehensive directory, listing uh, all the lawyers in each state in which they list. I think their ultimate endeavor is to include every lawyer in every state. And they um, uh, provide a rating for the lawyers who participate uh, on a scale of 1 to 10. And they provide an opportunity for lawyers to include profile information, include information about articles they've read or written, uh, um, information about uh, presentations they've made, different things that um, give people an idea of their expertise in their area. And it also uh, is separated from everything else that I've ever seen for lawyer advertising because it enables uh, clients to give feedback on their experience with the lawyers. Um, so I, I think, obviously, for um, people who, uh, for, for lawyers who are uh, proud of their service, they can look forward to that. For lawyers who uh, have certain uh, risks in their client relationships, uh, may, may be very apprehensive about AVO. Um, Logaroo is a method of uh, questions and answers. There are a number of uh, web uh, platforms where individuals can ask questions and, and uh, lawyers and, and uh, you know it's a, a broad range of actually people who um, are in a position to a answer questions on, on various areas. You might have auto mechanics, you might have uh, uh, you know, medical questions uh, for medical personnel, but for the for the um, uh, lawyers, uh, people will ask questions, and and lawyers will answer those questions, and they will be uh, apparent, uh, you know, visible online for other people to read and and acquire that information. Um, and these are not pursuant to an attorney-client relationship. Uh, I, I'm. Uh, sure that they disclose that there is no attorney-client relationship as a result of the communication. And it's um, a matter of uh, advancing public uh, information to the public. So in, the ABA, again, has not taken a position on any particular model. Um, its uh, position is that uh, any particular model of um, uh, legal services on, on the Internet or on any form of technology uh, must be the, the participating lawyers must be compliant with the uh, state rules that uh, govern those lawyers in the states where they're admitted. Susan, I, what is what's the website for Logaroo? Um, I think it's www.logaroo.com. How do you spell that? L a w g u r u. Logaroo. Yeah, okay. Logaroo.com. Great. Well. When you place your ads in um, on Craigslist and uh, answer questions on Law Guru, do you find that um, you're restricting your answers to Washington issues, or do you, can you tell where these people are asking questions from? And how, how do you deal with? I, mean, I presume you're only admitted in Washington. I'm only admitted in Washington, and in both the case of Law Guru and also the Avo questions, Avo's got a similar service available on the questions. It, it discloses where where they're writing from, unless they choose not to. 
but they also have to choose a jurisdiction where they want an answer from. So they'll say, this concerns Washington law. And sometimes you'll get people who, who say that the question concerns Washington law, but it doesn't. But I only get questions directed to me that are that are for Washington. So I don't find myself inadvertently answering a question for Florida. Will, do you see that any, do you have examples of attorneys that are embellishing their their uh, background or falsely advertising um, some attorneys that are being responsible? Do you have any examples that you can point to? You know, fundamentally, um, false advertising is not so much a matter of intentional misrepresentation. Um, although we do see that, there's an example, um, not an online example, but there was a law firm in uh, a particular state that advertised its um, uh, fees for personal injury services. Its contingent fee was only 20%, and then there was an asterisk in the fine print that if it's resolved within the first 30 days of the uh, representation and for personal injury to be resolved in that time frame is almost uniformly unrealistic. So um, the, the, that was considered to be misleading. Um, but Mostly what we see, Craig, are not intentionally misleading misrepresentations, but representations that are violations of a very restrictive standard governing what is false and misleading. So, for example, uh, many states have a uh, rule based on a model rule provision that was amended in 2002, uh, and this older provision uh, includes as a misrepresentation any um, thing that uh, is what's called an unsubstantiated comparison. So if a lawyer represents that they're an expert or they have expertise in an area, that would be an unsubstantiated uh, comparison to lawyers who are not experts or don't have expertise. The problem is that that phrase, that concept, has no quantification to it. There's no ability for anyone to um, uh, objectively judge that. So if somebody said that they're the largest law firm or that they do the most um, condo conversions or medical malpractice cases or whatever, those things can be quantified. But if they say they do the best work, um, they're the best and brightest, top-notch, those kind of superlatives we frequently see in various advertising venues, um, and um, they are uh, uh, inconsistent with this prohibition. So I think it's far more innocent mistakes, if you will, uh, where lawyers are trying to distinguish themselves from other uh, from competing lawyers um, than it is any kind of m- intentional misrepresentation. Susan, how does the um, online world compare to the word of mouth, the traditional you know referrals from other lawyers or judges or people that you know and relationships that you have? What kind of differentials are you finding? The online world just seems to be an extension of that. An example would be one of the clients I got through Craigslist. I, I counted the other day in my software, and I've actually handled nine matters for them. But then they also turned around and referred several of their friends to me. So the online world kind of stepped into the more traditional word-of-mouth type of arrangement. It, it's, of- it's hard to find the, the, uh, a line between them, really. What kind of results or feedback do you get from 
And can you give us any kind of a real-life example of a client that you've had from Craigslist, obviously without giving us a name? Right. The the one I just referred to, the one with Nine Matters, actually came to me with a problem that I wound up, the first one of these was a problem that I wound up referring to another attorney. They had a consumer protection issue with a company that was located in Denver. They're here in, in Washington State, and we could have brought the issue in Washington State, but the Denver Attorney General was already gunning for this company, so it really made more sense for them to pursue the matter in Denver, so I wound up referring them to a Denver attorney. But they they appreciated what I did, and they came back with another case and another and another, and they're small business people, so they have these little issues that nibble at them. That's good. I hope I'm I'm glad that's not one of your family law clients. No, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that would be a lot of lot of divorces or whatever it was that was going on. That would be a lot of little issues, yeah. <laughs> Craig, let me share um some of our research in this area. Uh what we've found is when we ask people either uh what would you do if you needed a lawyer or um uh, have you used a lawyer? They they're pretty the research is pretty similar. And it can be divided into those people who get their lawyers through some kind of personal referral, whether it's a um, family member, a work colleague, um, someone they trust, a clergy member, something like that. Uh, And that's between 70 and 80 percent repeatedly in these surveys. Um, The other 20 to 30 percent are people who get their, uh, who find their lawyers or would find a lawyer in an impersonal way. And that's dominated, historically, that's been dominated by the Yellow Pages. The, the largest portion of that 20 to 30 percent has been the Yellow Pages. But what we're seeing is the emergence of online uh, avenues of access. And the most recent research suggests that um, that's around four or five percent but what's really interesting is when you when you peel the onion a little bit, the youngest demographic group, which I think in this uh, survey included adults from 18 to 34, was twice as much as the population in general using the Internet as a method of finding a lawyer. That's surprising. Susan, does that relate to, does that sound about right for you? I'm surprised that that many people are still using the Yellow Pages. In my first year of practice, I got a nice... Um, well, it, it wasn't huge, but I got it more than the standard listing. I had an ad placed in the Yellow Pages, and I couldn't point to a single client at the end of the year that had come from that ad. So, you know, I'm not getting very many responses from Yellow Pages. I, I've kind of scaled back what I'm doing there now, but I, I'm surprised that that many people are still using the Yellow Pages. So I, I'm sure he's correct. I just, it's not, I, I'm not seeing much of it. Well, we need to take a short break, and when we return, we'll talk more about solo and small firm practitioners advertising on Craigslist and the legal ethics issues that go along with that. Imagine how much easier managing your practice would be if your practice management software was web-based. Your practice would be available anywhere you have an internet connection, completely secure, backed up continuously, and most importantly, easy to use allowing you to spend your valuable time building your practice instead of managing technology. Start simplifying your practice today with Clio. Sign up for a free, fully functional 30-day trial at www.goclio.com. Use promotional code L2L for a 25% discount. Right from the beginning, you know, I knew I was important. 
Can you say that about the insurance agency helping to protect your legal practice? Lawyers like Rebecca Brody are confident working with the Herbert H. Landy Insurance Agency, knowing they have the best professional liability insurance coverage for the best possible price. It is about customer service. I think that's what we like to promote in our business. You know, we did have some kind of specialty questions. We did have some concerns. It was really great, and I really felt like if I'm that well taken care of, it made it possible for me to go and take care of, you know, take care of my business and take care of my clients. Give us a call at 800-336-5422 or visit our website at landy.com. That's L-A-N-D-Y dot com. 60 years of experience. Well, welcome back to Lawyer to Lawyer on the Legal Talk Network. We'd like to welcome back attorney Susan Beecher, a solo practitioner out of Kent, Washington, and attorney Will Hornsby, who's counsel for the American Bar Association's Division for Legal Services in Chicago, Illinois. Well, I'll toss this question out to either one of you. What have you seen in terms of the growth in the industry of online legal ads? I've seen a lot more activity. Every every time I go on to place an ad, I kind of take a quick look and see what's going on, and I'm seeing more and more people placing ads there. I'm also seeing more activity in general through through the other the other avenues that are out there. What other avenues are you talking about? Um, it's more and more expected for an attorney to have a website. There's more people becoming involved in in Avo and LawGuru. More people are also becoming involved in Twitter and Facebook and LinkedIn, and those sorts of things as well. Well, let's talk briefly just about your your couple of books that you've got out. Um, what do you? What kind of recommendations do you make to lawyers uh, trying to go do advertising? Uh, well, n- not necessarily within the within the books that I've got, but um, I think that there are a number of excellent ABA resources that help people understand uh, uh, marketing their services, help lawyers understand their marketing services, and I would direct people uh, to the ABA Publication Center uh, for that purpose. But I think there's a couple of um, threshold things that I, I see people not embracing that, that surprise me sometimes. Um, and one is that you put yourself in the shoes of your of your potential client. Um, the question is not so much, do you think it's a cool ad or do you think it's effective or do you like it or is it? Uh, do you think it's uh, attractive or whatever? The only question is, how is a potential client, how is the, the type of client who you want going to perceive that ad? First of all, are they going to see it? If you're if you're dealing with people who are technologically astute, then um, the internet is the place to be. If you're dealing with populations that are not, um, then it's not. If you you know there, there are certain uh, populations that um, typically don't have access to the internet. Migrant workers uh, frequently don't have uh, good access. Um, uh, domestic relations people frequently don't have access, not because they don't actually have it, but because they're unwilling to use it because of the trail that it might lead and, and the abuse that they might uh, encounter because of it. So, you know, people need to, uh, lawyers, I think, sometimes lose track of the fact that um, it's not so much what they think, what their colleagues think, it's what their potent, what the people who they want to become their clients think and what they're going to see and what they're going to react to. Um, and certainly what we're seeing is um, a, a lot of, interaction, the web 2.0 concepts of social networking, social media, Twitter, even Second Life 
are things where lawyers are are becoming more and more involved in ways that create relationships with um, uh, these potential clients and I think are going to be more and more successful. Susan, do you use any of the things that Will just mentioned, Twitter, Facebook, uh, Second Life? Uh, no, I'm on LinkedIn and that's that's the only one I've really gotten involved with so far. I just haven't taken the time. Have you found LinkedIn to be the same benefit that uh, Craigslist has been? No, no. I, I haven't put the time into it necessary to do so, I suppose, but it hasn't really generated very much for me. That's a really good point, too, Craig and Susan. I, I think that sometimes lawyers are seduced into interaction that is not particularly cost-effective. And if you if you want to participate in dialogue with people about specific issues because you want to do this, we find this a lot with blogging, actually. Um, you know, lawyers who are successful bloggers dedicate a lot of time, energy, and, and skill to their blogging, um, not necessarily for their uh, client development, but because they're sometimes they're frustrated journalists and sometimes they just have messages that they want to convey. Um, but sometimes I think people are, you know, think that this is a, 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 an effective client development technique and they become uh, seduced by it. And it's not as uh, quick and it's not as inexpensive and it's not as um, successful as other things like Craigslist might be. Susan, what advice would you give to lawyers that aren't using Craigslist? Kind of echoing echoing what Mr. Hornsby said, stop and take a look at what your practice is and what your potential clients are in the area where you are and decide whether it's really going to work. Give it a try if you're not sure. Some people have written me after after that ABA article appeared. They wrote me and said, well, gee, I can't get it to work. What's going on? And it's probably not them. It's probably just that they're in an area of practice or maybe a region of the country where it's just not going to be as effective. So give it a try. And if it works, great. If it doesn't, don't don't beat yourself up. Try something else. Who? What kind of lawyers would you think would not be wise to advertise on, on Craigslist? Mergers and acquisitions. Yeah. <laughs> That's probably patent, a good one. Patent attorneys, probably not. Although I see a few advertising on there, so maybe they're getting results. I don't know. I think if you're if you're looking for a client that's that's going to be committing a lot of money to what's going on, they're probably going to do a little more work in finding their attorney than looking on Craigslist. Yeah, that would seem to make sense. Well, we've reached the uh, near the end of the program where it's time for us to get your final thoughts and your contact information. So, Will, let's start with you. Well, just as final thoughts, I encourage anyone who's participating in uh, online advertising to do this, exercise the same responsibility for ethical compliance that they do with any other type of advertising. Understand your state-based rules. Um, they are available at the website aba, uh, www.abanet.org slash adrules, A-D-R-U-L-E-S. You can link to the rules that govern lawyer advertising in every state from that site. And my uh, contact information, you can reach me at whornsby, H-O-R-N-S-B-Y, at staff.abanet.org. And Susan? I would just encourage people to give it a try. One thing to make sure that you do is make sure your ads are really easy to read quickly. If they have to slog through a paragraph, it's not going to work, but just make them quick easy to read, friendly, 
And then if it doesn't work for your practice area or your region, then try something else. But give it a try. And my contact information is Susan, S-U-S-A-N, at sbeecherlaw.com, S-B-E-E-C-H-E-R-L-A-W.com. Great. Well, thank you both very much for being on the show this week. And that does it for this week's Lawyer to Lawyer. To our listeners, remember, you can check out all of our Lawyer to Lawyer shows at www.legaltalknetwork.com. And a very special thanks to both our guests, Will Hornsby and Susan Beecher, for being with us today. And our shows are available in the Legal Talk Network uh, on iTunes as well. We'll be back next week to discuss another great legal topic. When you want to think legal, think lawyer to lawyer. Thanks for listening to Lawyer to Lawyer with J. Craig Williams and Robert Ambrogi. Every week, a new legal topic that you won't want to miss. We hope you'll listen again and check out our other shows on the Legal Talk Network. Lawyer to Lawyer has been sponsored by Law.com. The Lunch Hour Legal Marketing Podcast, your resource for the tips and tactical advice you need to grow your business. Plus, keep up with the news and commentary you crave to stay one step ahead. It's hosted by me, Guy Sakalakis. And me, Conrad Song. Every other week, we break down the issues holding back your marketing strategy and talk about the changes you need to be prepared for. Check out the Lunch Hour Legal Marketing Podcast wherever you get your podcasts or on YouTube.